much. Amen. Thanks, Pastor John. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. It's important to know the Word of God. And, uh, amen. Well, hopefully the, the curve is flattening in the world. And uh, if you're anything like me, you've been eating more than you should. And uh, there's another curve that's going to need to be flattened this summer. Amen. I get an amen. Amen. Because amen. it's... Uh, found myself eating more, and uh, it's kind of a crazy thing. And uh, so anyway, I want to talk to you today um, in our series called Determined, and uh, determination is needed to get things in life to go forward in life. Uh, We're going to talk about disappointment today, because I believe that everybody is disappointed with something. I mean, I've had people actually disappointed in what I wear on Sunday morning. Um, I got that in writing not recently, but at a time that um, I wasn't dressing the part of a pastor, and I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, because as far as the Bible goes, it doesn't tell you how you're supposed to dress. Um, so it's interesting that, that you can disappoint people and not even try to, and so my title again, and I, I would ask you to take some notes this morning, because I believe that God's going to speak to you, is dealing with disappointment 3.0, and it's what Jesus isn't what you think he should be. Uh, but before we get into this, I believe that as humans, uh, one of the hardest things that we have to do is to see beyond our current circumstance, to see what's going on in our life, and we tend to focus on that and not maybe what the outcome is going to be. And so as humans, that's something that we struggle with. Uh, one thing I would like to do right now, and I, my beautiful wife is over there, is this, she's got a birthday tomorrow. And uh, again, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but if you add her, her and Georgianne's uh, age together, it'd equal about 100. Um, yeah, ow, right. And if you added me in there in December, it would be 150. So I do want to tell you this because Brenda Roberts also had her 50th, and we've had to have these 50th birthday parties that are, that are a special thing uh, in isolation, basically. And I want to tell you something about the ladies at Change Life Church that turned 50 is they're really good looking still. So if you struggle with aging, you need to come to church here and maybe drink the water or whatever it is. Um, but something's going on with our ladies here because they look more like 30 than they do that. So that's a great thing. It has nothing to do with having a, a pastor that loves people, right, or that does anything great to make that. But anyway, I wanted to start a little bit, just today off with a little bit of humor because we hear so much negative in our world. I mean, you turn the news on, it's always fear, fear, fear. Uh, and, and I'm just, I want our church family to be a family of fun. Uh, again, we're, we're serious about sin, but we need to have fun in a time that seems to be so, so much a downer. Um, but let's talk about this for a moment. I want to show you a, a, a picture here, and you probably can't see it great, but this is a Winco special. It's like under a buck. You can eat lunch. Um, and this is what I buy for my lunches because I can eat lunch for a dollar. I don't think it's great um, for you. It does taste pretty good. But the picture on here is, is pretty amazing. I mean, it looks kind of like a gourmet meal. But when you open this up, it's very disappointing as to what it looks like because it looks nothing like the picture. Um, in our lives, we have a picture of what we think life should look like. We, we think Okay, marriage should look like this, and then we get married and we open up, and it doesn't always look the way the picture looked. Um, when that happens, how do we deal with it? And so we're going to talk today about how Jesus' disciples they were very disappointed when Jesus actually died because they had this idea of what he was supposed to be, um, and it didn't go as planned. It went as planned, 
but it didn't go as they planned. And that's where the problem lied is they had this idea of what it needed to look like, what Jesus was going to be, that he was going to be a deliverer of, of Israel as he had been, as God had been um, in the whole Israelite history. They'd get themselves in trouble. God would send a prophet or a, a deliverer and they would get delivered out of bondage and everything would be great. They'd get comfortable and then they would start serving idols again and they would get back into bondage and God would send them a deliverer. They'd cry out, um, you know, Samson and the prophets and they would deliver them. Well, the Israelites had the same idea as to Jesus was going to be this deliverer from the Roman Empire. Um, they were looking just at the, the physical thing, not the eternal. So when Jesus actually died, it threw them completely off because they had an idea as to what it should have been, but it wasn't what they should have been. Now, there's another great movie. And it's called A Bug's Life. And if you have kids or grandkids, you know what's going on. And there's a, a scene in this show where the ants are going in this line and they always take this certain path and they're carrying their seeds and a leaf comes down and falls in the path and the, the ant stops and he kind of freaks out like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? There's a leaf there. It's in my path and, and it didn't go as he expected. And Hova, the, the little princess, had to come and tell him, go around the leaf because he could see no other way other than the way that he had normally taken. And life at times have, has leaves fall on our path and we stop and we don't know what to do and we need leaders to say, hey, it's going to be okay. We Sometimes we just have to go around the leaf, around the block. So, okay, what you do when life doesn't go as you planned is a big deal. And it often determines how things turn out in the long run. And this is why determination is so important. See, pain can stop your progress or it can promote you to progress. Let me say that again. Pain can stop your progress or it can promote you to progress. Okay, and what I want to do in the next couple weeks is look at some events for the 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, Wednesday night, we looked at some key events leading up to the cross. And a lot of times, this is where we stop and we move on to something else. Well, we're going to look at some things that happened because he was on the earth for 40 days after the resurrection. Uh, and we miss a lot of things because he was very frustrated with some of his disciples uh, for their lack of belief. And here's what it would be like. It would be like building up to the wedding, and then once the ceremony and reception is over, just moving on to something else, which I think, as I think about it, that happens an awful lot. So it's what, really what you do after the wedding that makes or break a marriage. And it's no different in our walk with God. See, getting saved is the easy part. Saying, I do, is the easy part. But living the way God wants us to live is the hard part. It's easy to stand at an altar and make promises that you intend on keeping in a marriage. But once the leaf falls in your path and things go different than you expected, okay, my wife, she, she squeezes toothpaste from the middle if it's a tube and I squeeze from the bottom okay that can be a problem if you're if you have if you make it a big issue it's not that big of a deal okay she does put the lid back on and she's cleaning that's good but but I'm a this sounds bad I'm a bottom squeezer she's a middle squeezer Okay. Those can spin marriages up. And I've seen people get into it over little differences like that. Why? Because you're not doing it the way that I expect you to do it. And so the I do is the easiest part of marriage. It's learning to get along after the wedding that can be the hard part. Now, getting saved again is the easy part. Living the way God wants us to do is the hard part. We covered that. Okay, the I do, again, is the easiest part of marriage. So let's get into Luke chapter 23, verse 44. Through 49, and I'm actually going to start in verse 42 because we're going to talk about the thief. This is where we ended last week. 
And, uh, and here's what it says. Luke chapter 23, verse 42. We'll read 42. It says, Then he said, this is the thief that, that Jesus realized that Jesus was the Messiah. And the thief said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Here was a man who had lived for himself as a thief, as a robber. He was not a good person. And he was paying the penalty for his sin. And he knew it because he even said so. We're getting what our deeds deserve. He said, but this man has done nothing wrong. Talking about Jesus. Uh, and, And it's key here that... The thief actually said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It seemed like the thief was the only one that understood really what was happening. Verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining. This was basically the middle of the day. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness this saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. Again, they were expecting something different. But all those who knew him, so his disciples, people that had followed him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Let's talk about this. Now, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, okay? Determination got him to the cross, but his love for us kept him there. He had the ability to come down off the cross, but it would have stopped the plan. He would have lived his 33 and a half years on this life wasted if he gave up at the very end, which proves that it's not always how you start, but how you finish that matters. And it takes determination to keep going. So my question I have for you right now, and I ask you this question a lot because it's something that I ask myself a lot when I'm going through something I don't want to go through, is this. What are you facing right now? Okay, think, I want you to think about it. What are you facing right now that you would rather not be facing? But to get the results that you want, you need to keep going to make it. What is it right now that you would just rather not be facing? And you might not even be able to change it. But if you don't change your, your attitude, if you're just like, well, I'm defeated. There's a leaf in my path. I'm not going anyway. It can't go forward. I don't know. You, you will never reach what God has for you. Life is full of leaves in our path. Life is full of disappointments. Life is full of unmet expectations. And what God is wanting us to do today is to be an overcomer. Now, the cross was not easy. The cross was something that Jesus had to keep going. He had to keep persevering in order to endure it because he knew what the cross was going to get. It was going to to start a relationship with him, with us, that we couldn't get any other way other than being perfect, which we know we can't. What are you facing right now that you'd rather not be facing, but to get the results that you want, you need to keep going and you need to make it. Now, verses 48 and 49, I believe, are some key verses, um, and that's this. Uh, I preached a message several weeks ago called, called, You Can Be Disabled or Disabled by Disappointment, and you really can be disabled by disappointment. If you're like me, you like green grass. Okay. This week, we turned our sprinklers on. Everything was good for a day, and I uh, fertilized my yard, had the sprinklers going and then I had a, got a phone call uh, Saturday. I was down at the church and just about ready. Or I was getting done doing some things. And Chris called me, sent me a picture of water bubbling up in our, our system. 
and a PVC pipe had come apart. And uh, I wanted green grass, okay? And to get green grass, you have to fertilize and irrigate, but a pipe broke. Now, I didn't rush home, and I told her how to shut it off. I didn't go home and look at it and went, well, I guess I'm not having green grass this year. So disappointed because when I turned my irrigation on, I had expectations of nice green grass. I had expectations that nothing was going to break. Well, if you have irrigation, things are going to break. If you have relationships, there's going to be things happen that break. The, the key is, is what do you do with it? Okay, you can leave it broke and your grass can die, or you can say, you know what? Yes, it broke, wasn't expecting it, wasn't anticipating it. I'm going to accept it and I'm going to do something, and, and I got it fixed, and the system would be ready to go today. Uh, it took me some work, it took me a little bit of money to get the glue that I needed to fix it. Okay, but you can be disabled by disappointment, or you can get over it. So you will be disappointed in life. You just need to understand that's a fact. Okay, some of you are disappointed today because you didn't get your relief check yet. I've seen more people, okay, once the government tells you they're going to give you something, people all of a sudden have this, hey, give it to me. And I, I didn't get mine yet. And so I texted my accountant, who was turkey hunting today, which is a good thing. Um, and I said, where is my undeserved check? Because <laughs> okay, I don't deserve it. It was something the government offered to give me. Uh, and, and I just texted him that. Because some people I know got theirs last week. And I'm like, hey, where's mine? I didn't have that attitude. But there's a lot of people that I've talked to that have. Hey, where's mine? Where's mine? Well, I didn't do anything to deserve this check. Okay? It's, a, it's a stimulus check. Trying to get the, the economy to be stimulated again. Uh, but I wanted to be real when I texted him because it didn't come into my account. So where's my undeserved check is what I asked him. And, and I thought it was kind of funny. Right? Don't get disappointed, or don't, I should say, you're going to get disappointed, but don't let disappointment disable you. You will be disappointed in life, but hear me here. But whether you choose to live in disappointment or not is up to you. Disappointment will also cause a distance. And there is a danger when you distance yourself from Jesus and his plan for your life. And you can see these people here. They stood at a distance watching these things. And right now, this is where Jesus' followers were choosing to live. They were not sitting around with this anticipation at the tomb like a kid at Christmas time. And I have a hard time grasping this because during Christmas time, there's Hallmark and it's called Countdown to Christmas. It has how many days to Christmas. And think about this. How many times did Jesus tell his disciples, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to come back to life. He told them over and over and over and over again. And I'm thinking, why weren't the disciples sitting there at the tomb just ready? Hey, it's the third day. He's going to come back. He told us all these things that he did. Uh, he saw Lazarus. I mean, these guys saw Lazarus come back out of the tomb. They saw the deaf here. They saw the blind speak. They saw all the miracles like a raging sea calm. They saw all these miracles. And they saw Jesus keep his word over and over and over and over again. But when he said, I'm going to die three days later, I'm going to come back to life, none of them seemed to believe it. That baffles me. How, how is it that everybody missed this? How, did, how is it that everybody missed something that I thought was so obvious? Okay, Because I would like to say, if I was there, I would have been at the grave going, he said three days, he's going to come out, just, just wait. They would have seen the earthquake, they'd have seen the angels, they'd have seen it, but they missed all that because it didn't turn out the way they thought it was going to turn out. It seemed to me the only one that really believed him was the thief on the cross, the guy, the guy that gets saved hours before his death because he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He seemed to grasp the fact that what Jesus said was how it was going to happen. Isn't that weird that they saw the miracles? He told them so many times, and yet they refused to believe. You see, I believe this. This is what I think. 
I believe they were so set on how it was going to happen that they missed the reality of how it needed to happen. And they lived in this fantasy of how things were going to be. And it didn't turn out that way, so they couldn't see any other way. And and again, it appears to me that I would have think that the disciples would have went, you know, he did say he was coming back. He did say he was going to die in three days later. So why don't we just take a chance and just go sit at the tomb and see what happens? But none of them did that. Matter of fact, it says that they went into a room and locked themselves in because they were afraid of the Jews. I I spent this week uh, reading all four gospels of the whole account of after the resurrection, the different things that took place. And, And these guys completely did not believe that Jesus was coming back. I mean, they, they were just so, it didn't happen the way they thought. And they were very, very disappointed and they were disabled by it. See, life is going to take turns that you don't see coming. Again, there was a Roman kingdom that the Israelites thought that Jesus was going to take over, but it was a heavenly kingdom. And a lot of times I think we look for God to answer something that's temporary when we need to be looking at the eternal. We need to be looking at the, at the big picture. Again, Israel's past was bondage and freedom, bondage and freedom, bad decisions and bondage. Bondage, they could cry out to God. God would send a prophet. They would save him. And I really believe they thought Jesus was going to be a physical prophet to, to make a physical kingdom and fix things that way. This leads me to tell you this, that God's plan is so much bigger than your plan. You just have to be open to the fact that it's not all going to go down the way that you think. See, I've heard this about war, that you make plans, but it never goes as planned. Now, let's keep going. Luke 23, 56 says this. It says, then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath day in obedience to him. Why would they go home and prepare spices and perfumes? It's because they knew he was dead. Even the ladies here that were going home to prepare his body thought he's dead and it's over. Okay, they missed it. They had all these intentions of, of believing Jesus. They loved Jesus, but they just saw the fact, okay, that, that they were going to have to embalm his body and prepared it. They weren't preparing uh, for, for a risen savior. They were preparing for a dead body. What are you prepared for today? See, my natural mind asks this question again. How did everyone miss this? Even the Pharisees posted guards. Did they believe that there was a small chance that he might come back. Now, they thought he was going to get stolen and that the story was going to be spread that he did come back. But did the Pharisees actually believe maybe a tiny bit that what Jesus said was going to take place? The thief appears to be the only one really to have believed it. So chapter 24, let's talk about these 12 verses. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, again, they they didn't find his body, and they were wondering what happened. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground, but the two men said to them, Why? I haven't circled and read in my Bible. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I think they're going... Okay, ladies, why are you here? Okay, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee? They're getting specific here. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. 
When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. And here's what the apostles' response, verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself... What happened? (laughs) Does does this seem crazy? To me, this seems crazy. It seems crazy that Jesus could tell you so many times what's going to happen, and you can refuse to believe so many times what actually happened. How often in God's word does God or Jesus, our God, one and the same, tell us something, and we refuse to believe it? When he says, given it shall be given, why do we have a hard time tithing? Okay, or some people do, not everybody does. I love tithing because it always comes, it always has a return on it, right? I love gardening. I plant seeds and I plant plants. Why? Because I know that I'm going to get a return on them. How often does Jesus tell us something and we kind of refuse to believe it? And, and these guys are here wondering what had happened. The, the ladies wondered what happened. Peter wondered what happened. John, actually, in his, in his story, he says that he actually beat Peter to the tomb, which I think is funny because it's a little competitive. Uh, John says, basically, I outran Peter. Uh, to the tomb. And now Peter is wondering, what happened? Why are they wondering what happened? Because Jesus didn't do it the way they thought it was going to be done. Their expectations were not met, and now they were disabled by this disappointed or disappointment. Now, Jesus shows some frustration here when he comes back. The angels are saying, why are you here? He told you he was coming back. Why didn't you believe him? And Jesus shows a little frustration in verses 25 and 37. I want to read those to you. 25 says this. When Jesus appeared to them, he said on the road to, to Emmaus, all right, he says, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And he calls them foolish. You're, you're foolish and you're not believing what Jesus told you. And this was Jesus talking to them. And he had kind of hidden himself in his appearance. They didn't recognize him. And he, he explained to him them everything that was going to happen. In verse 37, he shows up to them as they're hidden in this place. He shows up. He basically walks through the wall. And he says, peace be with you. And, and they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? He's showing some frustration that they didn't believe what he said. And why does this happen? Well, you have to go back to verse 21 as he was talking to these two guys on the road to Emmaus. Verse 21 of chapter 24 says this, but we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Verse 21 is telling, we had hoped he was the Messiah. Um, He is and he was and he's going to be. They were earthly-minded versus eternally-minded. You see, it's not what you believe that's important. What's really important is what's true. Okay, because you can believe a lot of things, but what you believe really doesn't matter. What's important is what's true. You want to believe what's true. In Mark chapter 16, I want to flip back here. 
Mark 16, 14, again, Jesus rebukes them okay, for their lack of faith. And here's what he said in the book of Mark, chapter 16. It says, later Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith and he rebuked them for their stubborn refusal to believe. Now, how often, I look in my own heart, do I have some stubborn refusal to believe? I can be very stubborn at times, and I don't ever want to be stubborn to believe that God's word says what it says, that it means what it means, and that that God's going to get us through even what we're facing right now in this world. God is not puzzled as to why COVID-19 is a thing in this world. It's not like God's up there going, wow, we didn't see this coming. We're going to have to alter the plans. Jesus didn't look at God and say, you ever seen Bugs Life? Because the leaf just fell into our path and we're not sure what to do. This does not surprise God. I don't believe it's from God, but I believe God has allowed to happen, allowed it to happen to get people to wake up that our next breath is not guaranteed. Okay? We're going to see, I hope, some, some revival take place as a result of, of kind of the world stopping because of something we're so afraid of. And let me tell you something, guys. Sin actually has a 100% mortality rate. Okay, I wish we would take sin as serious as we take COVID-19, that people would say, you know what? We need to do all we can to protect ourselves against sin. We need to give our lives to Christ because sin is always deadly. Sin affects everybody that it infects, and that is 100% of us. But Jesus, again, rebukes them for their lack of faith when he was alive. Even after Mary told them, see, they were truly disabled by disappointment. But before we're too hard on them, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is there any area in my life that I'm not truly trusting God with? Is there any area that in my life, when Jesus says in his word, we doubt, we're like, I'm not quite sure it's going to turn out the way that that the word says. I'm not sure that that he's really with me through this because I don't feel him. Okay, I'm not sure that the giving really works because it's a little scary. Uh, Is there any area in my life that I'm not truly trusting God with? So instead of working through it, you stay disappointed by it. And when you stay disappointed by it, you will be defeated by it and you will never make any progress in your life. Some of you in in your relationships, maybe in your marriage, you're so disappointed with how it's turning out that you don't see any any reason to even try. The leaf is in the path and you're not going to move because this is the path. Well, sometimes you got to work around the the disappointment. You're going to have differences. The question is, is are you going to work through the differences? Will you let them disable you or will you let them promote you to, to a better way of life to say, you know what, it didn't turn out the way I wanted, but I'm going to make my way around. I'm going to do the best I can. So why it's so important that you don't focus on the small picture, on what's going on now, but that you look at the big picture. And the big picture, what we're facing as a, as a country, as a nation, as a world, is, is God is going to get glory through it. Okay, things are going to happen and we got disrupted and we don't do very well with disruption. See, the disciples had this mindset at the moment. We had hopes and expectations and now we're living in disappointment. Once again, it's not unlike a marriage. And when it doesn't turn out the way you think, some people can't even see that there are other options. They, don't, they can't even see that there's other ways to get around it and they simply give up. If you're like me, you know some people that have personalities that so they're so convinced that they're right, there can't be a possible uh, or a possibility of another point of view. Uh, it doesn't even cross their mind that they could be wrong. So my challenge here is this: don't be so convinced that your way is the only way that you miss out on the right way. Amen. See, the rest of the story 
is a story of grace and forgiveness. This is what I love about Jesus and what I love about Christianity. He, he, he tells them, this is how it's going to happen. Like, Judas, you're going to betray me. Peter, you're going to deny me. And then he offers hope. He says, but after you come back, Peter, when, when you get restored, you're going to deny three times that you know me. You're going to run. And all the disciples are like, we're not going to run. And they all ran. They all ran away from him in his, in his point of need. The most time that he needed somebody, needed a friend, they all ran from him. It happened the way he said it was going to happen, but he offered hope. He didn't just say, you deny me, you're done, okay? Because as humans, we can do that. Somebody crosses us, we're just done with them. That's not the way Jesus is, and I'm glad because I've crossed Jesus so many times. But here's what he did. The rest of the story is of grace and forgiveness. And though Jesus was frustrated by their lack of belief, he still had a plan for him. And wouldn't this be great if we took this into our marriages, into our relationships of knowing I'm going to be disappointed. My, my spouse, my kids, they're going to fall short of, of or my parents or grandparents or whoever, however you look at them, my boss. They're going to fall short of my expectations, but what am I going to do with it? Am I going to be graceful? Because I can tell you one thing. When I disappoint somebody, I am sure thankful for grace. I'm sure thankful that they look at me and say, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it. All right, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. I love it when somebody accepts me when I make my mistake to say, hey, it's okay, we'll make it through this. Instead of just chopping me off, chopping off the relationship, that that Jesus looks at them and says, hey, you're all gonna fail me, but I still have a plan for you. We're gonna fail each other. Our marriages, we're gonna have those failures, but God doesn't want it to end in failure, and this is what he does. Though he was frustrated, he had a plan for their life. In verse 48, He promises them the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? He promises them that I'm going to bless you with something. Yeah, you denied me, you ran away, but you're going to come back, okay? And I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and give them a purpose to preach this gospel. If you've seen the movie, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, the newer one uh, that has Jim Caviezel in it, uh, the, the character Edmund, Okay, it starts out, he has all this faith in God, and he's kind of simple, and his best friend is a, a rich brat, basically, and, and Edmund just believes in God. He believes that God's with him. He believes that God's there, and when he gets falsely accused, he gets imprisoned, okay, and he gets put in a dungeon, uh, he begins to doubt God's faithfulness. And every day he's trying to believe, he writes some stuff on the wall, believing in God, that God's going to get me through this. And, and after a while, he begins to believe that God has completely forgot about him. And then he meets the priest, and then they end up this breakout. Um, there's a plan to get out of, out of the thing. Um, and one thing that he tells the priest after a while, he says, I don't, I don't believe in God. And the priest looks at him and he says, that's okay, that God believes in you. And if you know the story, okay, he ends up getting out, finding a treasure. The priest knows where the treasure's at. He ends up getting very, very rich, okay, because he was determined. In the end of the show, he stands on the shore looking out over things, and, and his faith in God is restored. You see, he looked at his circumstance and not what God could get him through, okay, because human nature is to look at what we're facing right now in our marriages, okay. If you're married, you know, you understand what I'm talking about. You get into it, and you're like, this is over. We're done, <laughs> Instead of looking big picture of going, yeah, we're going to get through this, okay? Um, one of our marriage teachers says it's called the crazy cycle, you know? And as you, as you love each other, you just get on the crazy cycle for a, a, a lesser amount of time than you used to. It's kind of like the spin cycle on a, on a wash machine. Edmund realizes God was with him, even in his hardships. And he was blessed with riches because of the prison he had been put in, but he was determined to get out of it. So my final thought is today you may be facing something that you just don't get, you just don't understand. And if you're not facing it today, you'll face it tomorrow. Okay, Brooke Frazier sings a song called New Wine. It's a worship song. 
And it has a verse that's so powerful. It's a verse that you need to hear. It's a, a, a song you need to YouTube. It's just called New Wine by Brooke Frazier. And she has a, a phrase that she sings in this song, and it's, it's this, when I trust you, I don't need to understand. And I don't know how many times I've been listening to that song, going through some stuff, and when she sings that verse, I'm like, everything's gonna be okay. When you trust God, you don't need to understand. So today, you have a choice. I don't know where your walk is with God, but I wanna tell you, there's no better time in history, no better day than today than to be right with Jesus. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what's gonna happen in our country, in our world, but I know that things are changing. But you need to put your faith in him today. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I wanna tell you something. God is not disappointed in you. God is not disappointed in you. Jesus died on the cross, determined to die a violent death so that you could give your life to him. And all you have to do is ask him to forgive you of your sins, to be your savior, and you'll feel different inside, I promise, okay? Something will change on the inside of you. And it's a simple prayer. It's just simply saying, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. So I ask you to forgive me, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. And the moment you pray that prayer and and you're genuine, okay? Again, it's not a feeling, it's a fact. Forgiveness is a fact. It's not what you feel. You will eventually feel different. If you don't feel different right away, you will know that, that today is the day I gave my life to Jesus. I gave him my problems. I gave him everything that I've done. I gave him my, my disappointments. Okay? I gave him my sins, which is the most important thing that you can do. And the Bible says that, that when you pray that prayer, when you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It says that. So when we ask him to forgive us, that's our ticket to heaven. It's the only way you can get to heaven. It's not by being a good person because none of us can be good enough. I'm so thankful that Jesus just simply died on the cross for me and that the prayer is so simple just to say, Jesus, please forgive me, come into my life, that he makes it that easy. Put your faith in him today. See, where you spend eternity depends on whether or not you accept Jesus as your savior. Okay, I believe it. The word of God says it. Jesus said, I'm the only way. I'm the only way. And here's what I will promise you, that you give your life to Christ. You will still be disappointed in life. You will still deal with the things that humans deal with, but God doesn't always take that mountain away from you. He just helps you climb over it. He helps you climb over it. Amen. I'm gonna have Pastor John go ahead and close in a song. And uh, again, if you have any questions, please Facebook me, uh, email our church. You know, if there's any things that you just need to talk to me about personally, uh, friend me on Facebook. If you're not my friend, send me some messages because this week I will answer those messages if you're going through something. Also, let us know how we can pray for you. Okay, you can email on our website. Um, You can private message me. Just let us know how we can pray for you today. Um, We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Pastor John, why don't you go ahead and close us in a song.